aboruboye babalawo iboruboye Welcome to La Cura Podcast, Decolonizing Latinx Health and Reclaiming Traditional Healing. This is your host, Francisca Porches Coronado. La Cura Podcast is a project of Mi Gente in collaboration with Resilient Strategies. Greetings, familia. Thanks for listening. I want to tell you a bit about this short episode because... Um, it was recorded the second week of March on the eve of most of the country shutting down because of COVID-19. On the eve of so much as now we have experienced the last five months or so. It was originally a conversation with three folks, Susan Raffle, Prentice Hemphill, and Diana Quinn in Lakech. And I was so excited to speak to them. And I was super motivated because I had read within like a two-week span these three pieces that they wrote that I loved and I was really influenced by. Uh, Diana wrote Holistic Support for Immunity and Virus Prevention. Susan had written a piece called uh, Coronavirus, Climate Change, and Community Care. And then Prentice wrote Contagion, Consent, and Connection. So they all, I think, were preempting in a lot of ways, a lot of what we were going to be experiencing, talking about, dealing with, navigating. And I just really appreciated it. And it gave me a lot of perspective and and sort of understanding. And so I wanted to invite them on to just talk about their pieces and also talk about, you know, what we were experiencing in this moment and what felt, what they felt was coming. Um, and what we felt was coming as we were strapping on our spiritual seatbelts to get on this pandemic roller coaster, and also for them to share some wisdom with us for the journey. But uh, maybe some planet was in retrograde, or Orisha Ogun, the deity of technology, was cosmically working some stuff out because we had an overwhelming amount of technical difficulties. So Diana just kept dropping out of the recording platform or dropping Diana just kept dropping off of the recording platform and Prentice's internet connection was just like really rough and they would go in and out so much that only about two minutes of what they said of all the brilliant stuff they said actually recorded and we had to stop several times and begin recording again needless to say it was about an hour and 20 minutes of a lot of great conversation and then a lot of like are you there? Can you hear us? Do you hear? Do do you hear us? Uh, we can't hear you. Uh, you should try calling in again. <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, I um, thought about doing away with it, and then I also had like achy heart about what a great conversation it was and all the brilliance that they had shared and the perspective that I felt like we all needed. That I listened to it and just try to figure out how to piece together two episodes. So one is uh, Diana Inlakech's episode that was uh, used to kick off the community care series back at the end of March uh, called Holistic Immunity Support, which I hope you all listen to or have listened to. If not, you should. And then also uh, Susan's. I spent a good amount of time sort of piecing together and I'm excited for you to hear it. Um, which uh, is called Fortifying in COVID Times, actually called 
uh, after one of her blogs that I loved. And, um, and so here we are. So thank you for bearing <laughs> with me through that background story that I, I needed you all to know, just kind of honor what we tried to do. And then also that, you know, Prentice, unfortunately, 98% of what they said um, didn't record. So at some point, I hope to bring Prentice onto the podcast. If you want to hear more from them, you should definitely check out their new podcast called Finding Our Way, which is on all streaming platforms. It is amazing, y'all. So I want to tell you a little bit about Susan Raffle, given that our introduction was, it just didn't make it um, onto the recording. So I'm going to introduce her now. And um, they're amazing. I am so happy that I met her a couple years ago, and I've only been more and more uh, moved by her work and the beautiful pieces that she writes on her blog, which I encourage you to check out. Um, so a little bit about Susan is she's been part of the People's Movement Center for five years, which focuses on healing justice and the justice in healing and centers the lives and experiences of people of color, indigenous folks, queer and trans people. She has been a body worker since 2005, and she was deeply changed when she attended the Healing Justice Space at the U.S. Social Forum in 2007 in Atlanta, Georgia, which um, has really led her to attend um, to healing spaces um, and to also commit herself to work towards ending the medical industrial complex. And, and she wants to lift up practices and, and traditions that have been co-opted or forced into disappearance. In fact, she has worked very closely with two other really powerful women, Kara Page and Anjali Tajera, for years now on mapping the timeline of the medical industrial complex and providing thought leadership on it. And, um, and thought leadership also on systems change, cultural change, and somatic change. And so in her own words, quote, my ancestral lineages represent the colonizer and the colonized. I am a descendant from Southern and Western European people and from people native to this land. I am a raised white woman. I am a raised white woman who is clear about my whiteness and my white kin fears about working towards the end of white supremacy and settler colonialism, and also not letting disappearance erase my grandfather's line. So here's my conversation with Susan Raffle. Enjoy. Being out today and just making a grocery run, feeling like there's this, like, there's both the hyper-individualistic piece, um, and then there's also like some primal stuff happening. <laughs> I feel like we're in some sort of social experiment in this moment. Um, about it's like it's a drill and it's also not a drill. Like it's very, very serious. And it's a drill in a way that we, um, this is one virus in a virus-filled future. And by that, I mean like, you know, when I was a baby organizer doing climate justice work, and we talk about these sort of scenarios, you know, from... Scientists saying that the viruses that are in the glaciers and in the land, and as the glaciers is, are melting, these old, very old viruses, it's a theory, 
that are prehistoric in some ways would sort of show up, right? Um, or the new viruses would come along because of climate change. And so in some ways, it's like we can see even if this gets fixed tomorrow, which would be amazing and which they're, you know, I don't think it's going to happen, but we can begin to see a bit into what the future could look like um, given, you know, people of color, given poor people, given elders, disabled folks, um, people in prisons. And it is an opportunity, like you said, I think for us to figure out how we prepare for those future moments, how we prepare for right now, which is, is it definitely is, and we need immediate sort of um, both survival and adaptation uh, strategies. And also there's so much to learn from this moment for what the future could hold. And after this drill is over, you know, could we be in a place uh, where we are much stronger, where we are much wiser, practiced in what it could look like, what this drill and what this experience and what this crisis could teach us in this moment and what do we want to practice to get to the other side because this won't be the first time, right? Both from global capitalism sort of melting before our eyes to to our own health and our own survival and adaptation in the moment. Francisca, I think what you just said is so, so, so huge. Um, I keep, it's partly why I'm so grateful for this call and for your reach out. I feel like there's a lot of things that are true right now, right? One is um, that this is one moment. What is different about this moment is that this virus is, has the chance of impacting everyone who lives in this geographic space. Um, and so there's a different attention. I'm not minimizing it. It's unusual in terms of the everyday dayness. And there is also a way where it is not where um, what it means to live paying attention to um, survival and life and needing to think of how to get through the next days is um, not an unusual experience for many of our people. And there's that piece I keep thinking of how many outside of system care networks have always existed. Um, some that are traditional, some that are grounded in culture, some that have come together because uh, the circumstances demanded it um, for folks who are living with disabilities in order to ensure access or to build up access, um, for folks who need economic access, who need to rely upon each other. That is what I grew up in, is an interdependent economic system that was just about a family that shared the food that they had. Um, and for so many other reasons, like those are always there. Um, often not resourced by the public dollars that is the collective resource of all of the people who are living here. Um, and that gap is huge and has meant it has been difficult to sometimes lift up um, fully those care networks and to resource them as needed. Sometimes it's also been a boon because it's been out of the eye of the state. Like those are all true. And like we're in this moment where, you know, separate from our beloved healthcare workers and all of those others who are working in systems that are not always able to respect the dignity of the people who come to see them, and yet they are in there working to, uh, to center the dignity and sovereignty of those who come in. The systems themselves sometimes get in the way of those individual acts. And I just get struck by this moment of how to hold two things at the same time 
on the one hand, to take very, very seriously that there are people who right now are getting ill, there are people who will die, our elders, those who are most impacted, as you and Prentice were both naming. And also there is this, and you just said it, it's this sense of orienting towards each other um, that is happening more broadly than and and then maybe you know then it does in regular days. And I want to be always careful about even saying that because I think there are many of us who are needing to orient more broadly in general. But there's just more space here, um, and and whatever the we is in this moment, whoever our we is, as you just said, Francisca, figuring out or learning or just being in practice, like what you are offering with this this call, this opportunity to hear each other um to hear from somebody who we trust who tells us here is what the breakdown of what this is like it's so necessary um and to think about this through the lens of community organizing healing justice and just loving kin and community i mean this is the practice right here and and i keep being grateful for that even while at the same time feeling all of that sort of contraction caution about what the impact is right now and what is it is going to be on those I both know and don't know. Definitely. And I guess I, I would love to, to hear a bit about um, what we can do individually in terms of how we push back, what could be a wave of manifesting the ideology of this country, which is, I think you touched on it in your, in your latest blog, Susan, around violence and needing to stop violence to the hyper individualism to and like what we can do to fight individualism in this country and the way in which we have functioned because of the culture that it's created. Uh, and then there's the second piece of like, we ha do have practices and we have been functioning and our communities have actually been doing a lot of beautiful, um, resilient practices and have formed themselves in communities of care. Um, and I think yesterday I was thinking about like, um, you know, what do we have right now? How do we help ourselves and our folks, uh, especially because I would say the members of the organization that I work closely with, a lot of them, I would say, are like a paycheck away from from possibly being evicted or, or possibly going hungry. And so what could that look like to take good care of our people? Um, so both the pushback ideologically and how we individually, individually are, could relate to each other. And then two, that we also do have answers in most cases, and we do have examples and models that we could either follow as community if we haven't been practicing, or that we just can simply ask ourselves that question that you, I think you pose, uh, Susan, Alan, who are your people and who are you, who is your community? And so I'm curious if you could speak a little bit more about some of the models that you all are seeing right now. Um, mostly I totally want to lift up is that when I read Prentice's blog, there was a whole part of me that settled inside that I didn't realize was holding tightly. Um, I am somebody who can, uh, I don't even want to say it's as strong as sometimes romanticize the moment of uh, mutual aid and collective care. I don't think it's, there's definitely moments of that, but I, uh, when I read Prentice's blog, um, so speaking so honestly and directly about um, the things that we that we need, that we want, that are available to practice around how we are in relationship with each other as we're building collective care, as we are looking out for each other, 
um, the fact of consent, the ways in which this moment of non-touching and then a desire to touch sort of comes together. I kept thinking of, of, you know, I have deep and rageful and grievous respect for how much internalized oppression and internalized dominance is here in the space between us individually and how much those things can be inflamed when um, there's vulnerability, there's need, there's want, there's longing, there's awkwardness, there's confusion, there's urgency, just as there are moments where even with those things between us, they they fall to the ground um, and there's something else that rises up. Um, like all of those things are possibilities and it is where um, I love the fact that uh, as a body worker, I, you know, I talk about having a practice. I love that word practice because, you know, we are all in practice constantly, right? To be um, deepening, to be remembering, to be reforming, to be resisting, whatever is the connection that is here. Um, and so interdependence is about our dignity and sovereignty as opposed to capitalism, which is an interdependent system that is a destructive system, you know, but we are all in this, this, this practice. Um, and so again, I appreciate Prentice's work, this conversation, um, to be in practice about just remembering, like, um, even how we show up in this building is that, like, there's nothing that's outside of that practice. Um, and in terms of practical things, you know, I'm like the things that are online, that's partly why I started to gather stuff and put it out in a blog this morning is that there's these extraordinary resource resources that are resources that are being shared that kind of feel like we're in this, like, Oh my God, like let's teach each other in this really basic way in ways that we need. And in ways that even if we do them already, let's like remember how to do them again together like what it actually means to orient towards each other rather than towards either old habits or systems or things that are um, outside of intimate relationship, you know, and I love that. And I think uh, Mia Mingus's work on um, building our pods, which is just straight up and simple. And Mia just captured something that um, is in many of our families and kin structures without actually looking at it. Or it's certainly some com it's community organizing, but it's happened in, um, you know, and I want to honor that this work was released um, very specifically within the framework of disability justice and within the awareness of what it means to build um, um, care and support teams that are grounded in dignity and that are grounded in relationships. So that was the genesis for it. And yet this gorgeous pedagogy, right, this gorgeous, here's how you do it and here's how you start is just everywhere available and it's lovely to see it flying um, around the internet. And there's a lot of other things that are flying around the internet, you know, lots of strategies around building mutual aid, um, what that means, you know, one that um, I just saw about it right before we got on this call that was, uh, um, it comes out of neighborhood organizing, but it was like, no, really, don't be afraid. Um, depending on where you live, you might or might not know your neighbors. And that might or might not be about um, any one of the number of stories that come up for that reason. But here's some ways to do it. And here is some questions to ask in conversation. So it's, again, it's, it's, it feels like this gl glorious down home kin based um, organizing, right, which is something that uh, um, got lost in some parts of our community and never lost in others. Um, and then 
the piece I say after that is, you know, all the things that I know I, as long as, as well as everybody else is ex experiencing, it's not on the internet. It's the taking all of those strategies and tools and actually beginning to move them out relationally. And, um, you know, I know that in my home, I mean, I mostly work here in Minneapolis where right now there's still a couple of patches of snow, but the snow is mostly melting. Um, it's in about the forties and fifties. So we're all super elated which is not where you are, Francisca. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit where Deanna is. It's not where Prentice is. Um, but I work with um, healers, body workers, healing justice practitioners. And there are a couple of folks in my local who are right now creating sort of online care spaces, but doing it through phone call and relationship. Just saying that, you know, our ability to do this work, to show up, is also a lot about how much the panic and the worry is driving us versus is there enough space to actually reach out? And um, so they are creating like um, times for people to just be able to get 15 minute, 20 minute check in with somebody who can um, support your nervous system, support activation to kind of come down to then be able to ask or to dream or to plan what Adrienne Marie calls that next most elegant step towards these multiple resources and strategies that are there. Um, and those are the opportunities and they're awesome. And I will say them also holding in the other hand at the same time, remembering how often these glorious strategies and opportunities skirt over um, those of us, those of our people who don't have access to the internet, who don't have access to, um, to a lot of this material. And that continues to be in the way that it has been for 500 years the deep wound and the deep challenge is that while this opportunity is here is that it doesn't, it's not an opportunity that's only carried by those who already have access to it. So it keeps, I feel like it keeps being this expansion, contraction, expansion, contraction, right? Which is how all life moves. Yes. Possibility come back in. Who is your community? Who are your people? Who are you not seeing? Who's not expansion opportunity and then come back down. And like, that's the practice. Yeah, and one of the things that I've I've learned, we say this in part of our workers' resilient strategies is to be able to build enough bandwidth for being generative and and tap into possibility and creativity um while uh there's an and seeing possibility in in shifting conditions while things still or conditions really feel bleak in a lot of ways, right? And so um, and that is is a practice of resilience um, that is actually intentionally um, practicing um, being resilient versus just surviving and, and moving along in this moment, right? Um, and and I and yes, I, I really appreciate you reminding us of that of um, we're this living organisms that uh, expand and contract and that can hold that that can hold possibility and can hold um while we still hold the contradiction of of the conditions that we're navigating you know um and we are brilliant i think we're perfect in a lot of ways and so so susan you are a cranial sacral uh therapist i don't know if that's the word to use aside from all the very practical things that have already been said that will hopefully lead people to tend to themselves a bit better, to tend to community, to um, be more relational and perhaps 
in different ways that we haven't been or gravitate towards um, being more in relationship and connection, even with all its complications around physically being close to each other. Uh, any particular um, things that you want to lift up of how folks can tend to their own nervous systems and their own immunity? I would happily, um, you know, I'm just struck, Francisca, by how this the fact of this podcast is what you were saying to us in the front end is part of your self-care is part of something that you needed. And uh, I was thinking of how, you know, the immune system, when, when our bodies are activated, that is supposed to be a short term thing until we find something to do with that charge and a place to release it. And uh, I even wanted just in this moment while we're on this call for myself, and then certainly when people are listening to it, is to write in this moment, take a minute to notice something that is pleasurable, that is settling, you know, something that as I, we, like even just look around the space that we are in, noticing whatever it is that that stands out, that captures us, that feels good to look at, a sound that feels good to hear, the fact that this podcast is happening and that in this moment, whatever questions are held, whatever unknowing exists, it exists alongside so many other people. And even just right this second, again, just taking a second to notice something that is not active, that is not overwhelming. And it feels really good for me to be doing that, to slow down and to, and then knowing there's going to be people listening and remembering that, that even the space of just an inhale or an exhale is available right this second. Our immune systems are nourished by space by pleasure, by connection, by care. And so I love that you put out this call and you organized it so quickly as this gift to our collective immune system. And so whatever practice comes, I know that this podcast and many others have shared multiple remedios, have shared multiple practices is the last, it's almost like a prayer or a wish is that for each of us listening to this and for everyone listening to it, feel the right to practice them. And that if it's hard and there is rage or grief or overwhelm that comes up, is to take a second with pen, with fingers and clay, with a conversation with somebody else, and to just start naming as loud as you can the way things should be, what should exist right now as a prayer, like to let that energy move. And when, when appropriate and possible, into the action of connecting with somebody else, and asking what they need, naming what you need. And when not, just bringing it back in and noticing, again, for the space of a breath. One thing just one concrete practical thing that is not the virus in this moment and is not whatever the other things are that your, that our bodies are carrying. Like right this second while listening.
And that's all I'll say right now. I want to thank you um, for just your presence and your offerings today and your perspectives. I think that um, the world needs them. I know I needed them. So much gratitude that you brought us together. I feel a little bit gleeful about it. Miigwech. Thank you massively. Thank you for listening to La Cura Podcast. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, edited by Lourdes Hernandez. Music is by Rafael Maya. Find us on social media at La Cura Podcast and at Con Mi Gente, C-O-N-M-I-J-E-N-T-E. Please rate us, subscribe so that you are notified as soon as the newest episode drops and share your favorite episodes with your friends. Baba la woo.